social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, and welcome to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and on today's show, I am thrilled to be speaking with Sarah Evans, also known as PR Sarah Evans. Uh, she is the founder of Seven Strategy. Sarah works with companies like PayPal and Cox Communications as a digital correspondent, which I'm very excited to talk to her about. She also runs popular digital lifestyle publication Faves & Co. Sarah also previously worked with a local crisis center to raise more than $161,000 in three weeks via social media and is proud to be a team member of the Guinness Book of World Records holding hashtag beat cancer. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. And I just want to fill our listeners in on my my first interactions with Sarah. Um, I've I've known Sarah online for a very very long time. When I first met you, Sarah, you were still at Elgin and you were running mm-hmm. the what I think it had to be was it the first Twitter chat? Was Jern Chat the the first Twitter chat? It was the very first industry Twitter chat. Um, and but there was like a the GNO Girls Night Out started about the same time, and that was just more of a it was more, more fun. Yeah. So it was the first industry chat. Yeah. So I remember first discovering and meeting Sarah when she started a hashtag around Jern chat and started this Twitter chat, uh, which was for journalists and talking about how you could NPR people all around, you know, using new media. And I still remember, you know, she loved and was obsessed with Peter Shankman and what he did for, with Harrow, help a reporter out. Mm-hmm. And when she got him as a it was a he co-hosted it right or an interview when when you first got yes him yes. yes okay so and I remember thinking this girl can do absolutely anything because she had like lobbied like he was her favorite person in the world and she got him on there and I was like this is a girl who is just going to do everything with her career and I, I knew very early on that you were you were something very special and now you have really made it come true so it's so exciting. Oh, yes. thank you. I forgot all about that. See, oh. see, that's so why I always have to share a memory, especially if I have somebody special on the show. So tell, for those of us who don't know as much about you and maybe haven't stalked you for as many years as I have, why don't you give a little bit of history into how you got to where you are? As you mentioned, so I started off um, actually in healthcare communications and government relations with the healthcare system in Illinois. And was later a director of communications for community college, did agency work. And as I was doing all of this, I was always pushing new technology, new media. I think I called it emerging technologies eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and working in the nonprofit space, I was often too far ahead of where the nonprofit actually needed. I essentially, I mean, the short story is that I worked myself out of a job and into a new one. Um, because I was always pushing for new media and the impact it could have and the way it could connect people. And since I didn't have an outlet in all of my professional careers, I started talking about it personally and blogging and journal chat and all of all of those things. And so it just 
catapulted into a new career. And so you then decided to go out on your own. Yes. And how was was that scary for you? I know a lot of people, when we talk to them about their first step into like entrepreneurial waters, was it something that you made you nervous? Were you just totally excited? Did you have total blind enthusiasm? Where were you when you made that choice? Uh, I was very nervous. My husband and I are really complete opposites. And he's very much kind of a, a realist, a very practical. So he was asking me all the tough questions. And I was like, if you ask me any more questions, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I had to like <laughs> be somewhat practical and be a little scared. And it worked. And it worked. And so you started out with seven strategies? Yep. Seven strategy has become the umbrella under which everything lives. No matter what I'm doing or as my career has transitioned, it's just my my umbrella. So it all lives under seven strategy. And tell me yes. a little bit. So you've got a lot of different kind of angles here with the faves and co and all of these different things that you do. So give us a little structure of kind of what the typical Sarah Evans career day, first what the career looks like overall under seven strategy, and then what a typical day in your life is like. So under seven strategy, the reason there are so many different areas that I touch are so many different things that it appears that I do. It's because I'm always experimenting and trying new things before I do them with a client um, or consulting about them. So I'm always testing out new things. So it always seems like I'm trying new things. It's because I am. A typical day in my life all um, for the past like six months, it now always involves either a yoga, hot yoga, hot boot camp, or hot Pilates. I try to get to my mat every day because it has really improved my quality of life. I get to bring my son to school every morning. Those are two of the personal things that are really fulfilling. And then it's um, when I'm home, it's usually meetings, content creation, strategy, that sort of thing. And then it all preps for when I travel to become the digital correspondent. So talk to me a little bit about the concept of the digital correspondent. Tell me what a digital correspondent is and how it works. So it's also something that evolved, and I don't know that I even have it all figured out. Um, what has happened is as I started Seven Strategy, people were hiring me to come consult, and then some people had more agency needs, so I staffed up for a little while. But what was happening was they only wanted to work with me, and they always would kind of either hint or be quite blatant. Thing, but we want you to talk about us online. We want you to do this. So all in all of the strategies I was developing, in addition to what I was helping the brand with, I was putting myself out there for a brand. And over time, I was like, okay, this is even scary. So it was scary starting seven strategies, that it was scary saying, I'm going to focus on this one thing because this is what most of the brands want. So what I do is become essentially like a, a paid spokesperson. Um, it's very much if you work in the public relations industry, mm-hmm. we are a spokesperson for media or have to issue public statements. Um, there's that component of it. So being okay to be on camera or, or web or whatever it is, Instagram video. Um, and then also learning key messages, understanding corporate talk internally, being able to communicate it to an external audience, typically via all social um channels. Although for a lot of companies, I still do satellite media tours and different um, live event interviews. It kind of just runs the gamut. I, it's it's by, per client. That's really exciting. And what I think is so exciting is that it's very different. Even though it's similar to being like a paid spokesperson, like you said, in PR, it just you have so many more legs now with social and mm-hmm. how you're able to carry this out. Can you give us an example of yeah. like a great digital correspondent program you did? 
Sure. So one of my favorites is um, this past year for South by Southwest with PayPal, um, my team and I, because I do have a team that goes to every event with me, it's not anything I can do by myself. Um, they hired us to produce five days in their social lounge um, at South by. So I got to put together live interview content sprinkled with celebrities, influencers, um, and conduct live interviews and then launch an interview series that rolled out over the last several months with PayPal called P2P, person to person. Um, so it had longevity and legs, but it was something that got to be done live. And it was an interesting way to give that particular brand additional presence. So I loved doing that. Oh, it sounds like that really not only cut through the clutter because that's not something that's as frequently done, but you also set up a lasting mm-hmm. program for them with P2P. Yeah. That, you got it. That is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so how does someone become a digital correspondent? Which comes first? Do you think you can start <laughs> out being like, I want to do this? Or do you think that it's something that must organically happen from gaining influence? Like, what are the, what's the skill set needed? Well, so it depends. When I say that I'm still learning and growing, my school of thought right now is that built-in distribution is really attractive. Companies will come to me and say, you know, who are the people that most frequently interact with you online? So they're they're very much um, concerned with or interested in additional distribution, especially from the PR perspective. Um, that's one thing that differentiates you than just maybe like a somebody who works internal who could speak for you or create content for your own personal channels. So they like the fact there's built-in distribution that um, I've got corporate communications and a PR background and media relations is really attractive. Um, right. So you wouldn't be like and, a loose and, cannon. You, they, they know exactly. that you're media trained. Yep. Yep. And then the ability to create content for all different types of social channels. I think those three things and during live and, and um, produce, moments in time. So I think that that's kind of it. I'm not saying that you need every piece. There's always going to be savants and people who excel and, and don't need that, but that was my particular journey and that's what works. So I love that. It so it's, it's a, an influence or ability, you know, really good network, media training, mm-hmm. and then content creation. So talk to me a little bit about the content that you create, the types of content, how you go about creating content and, and how you keep up with the, the need for sheer volume of content. So it's <laughs> a great question. It already overwhelmed me when you just yeah, I did. I almost knocked you out right there. The sheer volume. <laughs> I, like, I can't breathe. <laughs> so I, we do a lot of video. I've got an amazing um, videographers and editors that I work with. So we do everything from like one to three minute videos to Instagram videos to Vine videos. We find it to YouTube, whatever it might be, that gets a lot of traction and people really like that. Um, you just knowing how to take and share Instagram videos and, or Instagram photos, Facebook content, but knowing all the nuances of each of those networks, like how you tag people. If you need to run um, a paid campaign, which of course we go through likable media if we need help. Of with course, that. of course. You guys are the best. <laughs> Cutest. I love um, it. Um, and marketing and automation. And I mean, if there's just so many components and nuances, it's tough to just have that all internal. And to get all of that with a four to five person team is really attractive. Yes, yes, I'm sure, because it's, it makes a lot of sense to get that. When you have a smaller team, you can actually produce content on the go more quickly, I think. Yes, yes. 
That's that's really great. Now, when you talk about making Vine videos, Instagram videos, and Instagram photos, all of the different YouTube, all of the different networks, is there a network that you find um, that has the most or strongest reverberation effect in terms of the reach that you're able to get? Is there one that's preferable or is it really incorporating all of them? It's content dependent. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you have a great six second video that sounds really cool, looped, or you can do something amazing. Like um, Dunkin' Donuts is a great example of brands that do vines really well and and can leverage that. Um, so I think it is content dependent because um, you have a really snazzy animated gif. I just used one of my grandma's favorite words: snazzy <laughs> animated gif. Snazzy Tumblr's is a good gonna, word. Yeah, I think Tumblr's the right place for that. And um, content can actually get more traction over time on Tumblr. Like it can repeat itself um, and gain traction again. So it's, it's, I don't have a straight answer for that because it really is all about the platform you're sharing on. And how do you determine what content is right for what brand? So that's my secret sauce. I think that's part of the You can't reveal it. Yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, well, I mean, like when we sit down and talk about an event, we talk about it visually audio, written, and what's going to make most sense to go where. Um, We've got very old-school tactic grids. We're like, well, here's all the networks we have to work with. Here's how much time we have. Here's what we can create in that time, and here's where we think it will be best shared. I love it. And so then you come up with the types of content that you'll do and how, and then you broadcast Mm -hmm. it out. So you were a very early adopter, for sure, um, Mm -hmm. and you really got out there early and often. Do you have any recommendations for people who are building their networks and how they might build it? Did you do it really one-to-one, a la the way way Twitter was in in years past, is, you know, person-to-person? Is that how you recommend building a network, individual? Originally, yeah. I mean, originally, that's that's exactly how I did it, and there was conference I went to, I think, just out of college, and the speaker said something that has just stuck with me for, I mean, since then, 10 plus years ago, that the best time to build a network is when you don't need one. And when I think about how I build a network, it's always about relationships and connections. So that one-to-one is really powerful. And over time, it just grows because those people recommend you to other people. But trying to do it in math um, probably isn't my isn't my game. That is a great quote from that that was from a professor the best time to build a network is when it you was don't some, need one? it was some speaker i think it was like at a professional development oh. thing or whatever and it was the one thing i took away it was probably a conference of talk that had nothing to do with that but i took that away well basically now it's going to be a game of telephone because when i go tell my staff that because i will i'll be like and i learned that from sarah <laughs> evans <laughs> I know. I'm just going to, you know what? I said it. You said it. It's, it's all you. I love it. I love it. Now, are you, are you, now you were PR Sarah Evans forever, right? You've never changed that. Your right. Handle. I say because, um, I, so I own the Sarah Evans handle on Twitter. I am Sarah Evans on Instagram, but everywhere else is PR Sarah Evans. Part of it is just, that's how people know me. People um, know you that way. Yes. Yeah. It's a common name. And my background is PR. Even though I'm a digital correspondent, yep. the roots of that are PR. So you kept PR Sarah Evans for a few things, and then the uh, the rest are just you have the Sarah Evans handle. Yeah, yeah. And I'm cool with it. I'm I'm cool with that too. I th- I think it's impressive <laughs> because I do think like it's really funny because when I was talking to people in my company about you and I was like, oh Sarah Evans, I love Sarah Evans, and then I literally had to be like, wait, 
PR Sarah Evans. I love her because <laughs> she's great because that's how they know you. They know you like this. You know, it's a brand PR Sarah Evans. So it's really, yeah, it's really quite impressive. I love it. And you also, yeah. you, wrote, you wrote a book, right? Reframe? Oh, I did. Reframe. Yeah, so the book was just a passion project. <laughs> okay. Tell me about it. It's, I want to hear about your passion projects. Oh, uh, thanks. It's called Reframe Little Inspirations for a Larger Purpose. I wrote it with a company, a startup. Um, I think they're still around called Slim Books. Okay. Um, and it was, it's a book that you could read on the plane or I said it's bathroom reading really, but it was <laughs> just lessons that I learned in my first 10 years in, from college in the industry about the chances I've taken the risks, the rewards, the challenges, and um, I wanted it to be something I could look back on and reflect in another 10 years and maybe write another one and kind of do that each decade of my career. It takes a lot of courage to write a book. It really does. And, and having watched Dave do it and a lot of people, I think it's very yeah. challenging. I've been hemming and hawing around writing a book forever and a day, and uh, I, I, I give a lot of kudos to you around writing a book. It's it's uh, Well, I mean... It's no joke. <laughs> no, it's serious. It's serious. And so yeah. and so do you feel like you use those little inspirations for a larger purpose? Do you feel like you, you yeah. still find that in, in every day? It sounds like you're finding that through yoga, too. Yeah. I mean, part of the, the book, each page has, I was called it like a pin-worthy photo with a quote, either something someone has said to me, something I've taken away over the past several years. And I have them made into stickers. Like right now, they're all they're on top of my computer. My favorite ones, so I can look at them. And, I um, love that. They do. That's yeah, incredible. It's like a real live offline Pinterest board. It is. It's on my computer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, also, you know, you mentioned earlier that you are an early tech adopter, obviously, and you you kind of outpaced the nonprofit world you were in. When I saw you mm-hmm. speak at Social Fresh, uh, one of the things that I noticed were like the hoots and hollers, like as if you literally were Oprah giving away Oprah's favorite things when you <laughs> gave away your your top 10, t- you know, new technology, new new st- different tools to try and all different kinds of things. Tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me a little bit about the love of tools. Tell me all about it. You're like a productivity <laughs> expert. I'm out of control with tools. And I think it's partially because majority of the time I'm a solopreneur working from home and a lot of these tools without them, I couldn't do the sheer volume of work that I do without them. Um, I need tools that help me work quickly for my phone, for my tablet, for my computer. Um, Many times I'm using all three to edit and do things. And I just, I need things that work seamlessly. Plus it's it's exciting to me. I, I do love the, the next kind of big, bright, shiny thing. And so it's fun to test it out and say it's part of my job to find out if I like it, if I don't, if it, if it's useful. And so do you try everything, Sarah? Do you try like everything under the sun to see what works? Um, so I don't think I try everything, but I try almost everything that comes my way. People pitch me all the time, email, Twitter, wherever, try this out, test this out. I don't love everything, but I definitely like to try it out and see if it has, um, cool implications for my career. And so tell me some of the top tools. Ooh, okay. Your I'll face, Sarah's my, face. My top 10 list. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so Buffer is number one. Um, I love scheduling content, um, especially evergreen content or things that need to go multiple places, even if they need different messages. IFTTT and Zapier. I think that's how you say it, either Zapier, Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, for automating the web, making things work a little easier for me, um, whether it's 
calendar entries, and you can automate anything. It would take me. We'd have a whole other session about ah, that. I love it. <laughs> um, Rebel Mouse for content creation and production. I love social mention for tracking. Wedgies. If you haven't signed up for Wedgies, they're a client, but they're my favorite. I used them before they were a client. Wedgies.com for social polling. Evernote keeps my life organized. I force everyone who works with me to use it because I heart them so much. Um, <laughs> Rafflecopter, if you need to run polls or giveaways online, I'm a, a big fan of them. And then a couple design, um, photo and design apps over for iOS and Android is my favorite kind of text overlay. And one I'm having a lot of fun with right now is 8mm, my intern. Brooke told me about this, and it's a way to create some interesting-looking videos with music. Um, right Ooh. Music. It's kind of a, a vintage look and feel, so it's fun. Uh, Sarah, you know what's really funny? I think you should get some preteens to come work with you because you sound exactly like my little daughter, Charlotte, who discovers every tool, but she discovers it organically. And she's like, Oh my God, mom, you have to check this out. Eight millimeter. Like she'll know every single tool under the sun. And I, I yeah. swear, I think we need maybe, Oh good. This is a new brainstorm for us, Sarah, a, a project okay. where we get these preteens going on every single tool and telling us what's what, because it's, it's oh, like, I'm done. Um, I yeah. mean, we're in yeah. it. We're in it. Let's make a, let's make a preteen focus group because I don't think, there are as like you are the most tool connected adult I know it's so amazing how you stay on top of it I'm like really 12 you're 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 channeling your inner 12 I love it you're so like you nothing passes you by it's it's really it's amazing and I have a question for you on two because first of all I do want you to tell everyone about wedgies because I was totally floored by that at the conference (laughs) but tell me so Buffer, you know, it's a scheduling app. What What is it that makes it different from so many others? When you're evaluating tools, there's like so many to choose from. Yeah. So what what is it about a particular one? So let's use Buffer because we know that's a very crowded space with publishing. What is it that makes that so great for you? Some of it, to be quite honest, is a comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not even that there are tons of differentiators, which there are between some of them, but for me, it's a comfort level. I'm, I'm used to it. I like it. I feel like I'm a super pro user. Like I can manage it really fast. Yep. yep. Um, so they get you I on just, there. Yeah. Yeah. So I just really enjoy the ease of use and I'm all about user interface. Yep. I love things that just look really good or easy to use. Yep. And I've just used it for so long now. It's, it's my go-to. So me too. Someone else, you know, might love a Hootsuite or, you know, something else for scheduling and sharing, but I really enjoy Buffer. I just think it's so interesting, uh, people's choices around things like that, where there's mm-hmm. lots of different tools and there's no real one dominant one in the market. I think it's very interesting to see what what causes the choice. And then in terms of wedgies, so I know you work with wedgies, but we did this poll. Sarah did this really fun poll at the beginning of her um, of her uh, speech that she was giving. And so she said, text it here. You know, here's the question. Text it. And it was yeah. an, an actual number. So I texted the actual number. And the funniest thing was that I decided I wrote to her my answer, right? And then I wrote, P.S., you're doing great. So so they respond with, if you don't give the actual just the answer, it's like, it was something, what did it say, Sarah? It was something like, this is your aunt. Please text back properly. Like, it was just something so yeah. funny. You could program these polling options to be really, like, so in the voice of the brand. And I thought that that was yeah. so cool. I love wedgies. Tell Tell us a little bit about it. So Wedgies is a Las Vegas-based startup, and I, I truly, before I, I live in Las Vegas, but before I moved here, 
somehow organically found them and I saw it and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. It looks great. It works well. Cause I've tried out a million polling platforms and apps and whatnot. And I just really liked them. And once I moved to Vegas and met the team, I was like, wow, this is a really special group of people. Um, they're part of the Vegas tech fund. Um, if anybody wants to research that and learn about the downtown project in downtown Las Vegas. So they've got a really cool backstory, but they are so gifted at making something that seems so simple, actually, or I mean, something that would appear to be so simple, but is really behind the scenes so complex, simple. <laughs> so I, I love it. I love it. You can do, you can do live polling. They're integrated with, um, oh, actually, if you're a Tumblr user, they're the only polling platform that's integrated on the front end and the back end of the dashboard. You can put animated GIFs in with your polls and you can do SMS. I love them. They're, great. They're awesome. Yeah, it was a great tool. I definitely recommend that everyone check out Wedgies. And I have to tell you, when Sarah went through that list at Social Fresh, now granted, it is a bunch of social media geeks at Social Fresh that like love all of this stuff. They were like screaming. It was like, oh! every time she mentioned it, it was like, it was such a big deal. I loved it. I loved it. And I love your love of Aww. tools and, and how you stay on top of stuff. You make it, you make it easy for the rest of us as long as we're following along. Okay. It's pretty awesome. So I know you, you also use social for good, right? And I know you've done a lot of yes. projects. We, we collaborated on one of the first social for good projects on around tweets giving, if you remember that back in yep. mm-hmm. gotta be 2007 or eight. It was, it was really long time ago, but so tell me a little bit about the Guinness world, Re- Guinness world record for oh, hashtag B cancer. Yep. This was, oh my gosh, I can't remember how many years ago. <laughs> it was a long time it's ago. Embarrassing. Um, and a good friend of mine, Tamara Nectel, is with a company and had this idea that um, Blog World, which happens every year, it's now New Media Expo, that all these influencers were in a room. They had, you know, built-in distribution, active networks. Like, what if we just did something for good? Like, nothing attached to it, um, but see what kind of reach we could get and um, had a few companies sign on to um, donate per online mention. And then we had the idea, well, let's make a Guinness Book of World Record. This has never been done before. We got Guinness Book of World Record involved, had an official monitoring company, and that's the very first Guinness Book of World Record for a number of online mentions talking about beat cancer. Celebrities got involved. And this was back in the day now where that, that just wasn't commonplace. I mean, this was one of the first times that this record wasn't beaten again until Justin Bieber and then President Obama and then probably Justin Bieber again. Who knows? But I mean, it was was a really cool moment. And it just shows just the power of influence. And I know you've done a lot of other kind of social for good projects and and just in general, really able to to show that impact across the Internet. It's really amazing. I love it. I love that. So tell me, okay, so we've talked a lot about a lot of your success and a lot of things that have have really been a, a huge whirlwind for you of, of all of this growth and, and excitement. Tell me about maybe your biggest career challenge. What's What's been a challenge in uh, your career? Every day um, yeah. is a challenge because I constantly want to evolve and change and get better. And I always question, like, do I know what I'm doing? Is this the right move? Um, being a digital correspondent isn't something that people readily understand. So I'm trying to provide for my family, create a career around something that didn't really exist before. So I feel like every day is 
an opportunity and a challenge. Yeah, because you're really trailblazing. And that's that's what happens when you're doing something entirely new. And it can be simultaneously so exciting and so terrifying. But it's 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 amazing to watch you do it, Sarah. And I have all the faith in the world in you. I really do. <laughs> Thank you. I really do. So where's the best place to connect with you, Sarah? If they want to follow you. can you. find me on Twitter at PR Sarah Evans or on Instagram at Sarah Evans with an H. That's right. It's not Sounded like I was singing that. Oh, Sarah, <laughs> it's it yeah. wonderful. And you can see all of the amazing things she does. And um, it just she's just a pleasure to follow and pleasure to know. So thanks so much for being on, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm writing you a note on Facebook right now. Oh, love it. Love it. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. <laughs>